0: Hello, oh, and welcome to the Alien Minute podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Engel.
1: And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at minute number 47, which begins with Dallas hiding out in the Narcissus and saying the words Dallas and ends with Ripley telling Dallas to please be careful as they enter the infirmary.
0: And we're joined again today by Matt Curion. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. How you guys doing? Doing good. All right, we got you back for another day. Um, we got st- me. We're still in the shuttle with Dallas, and he's still listening to Mozart.
2: Which, speaking of which, I know. I mean, I know that our friend uh, West Anthony would probably be able to tell us so much about the music in this scene, uh, but he's not here. Right. S- so there's just me here saying that music's nice.
0: And he did. Uh, just want to give a shout out to West again for being on the show, and also for hooking us up with you, Matt. He, was, uh, he definitely said you would have a lot to say about Alien, so. Oh well yeah, I mean it's it's my favorite.
2: <laughs> did you right. did you have
1: an epiphany, a moment where you just sort of said, Oh my god, after seeing this movie X number of times, I now proclaim I it my favorite movie? <laughs> I did. It happened about uh five years ago, um, where for years
2: Ghostbusters was my favorite film. And then one Halloween night I put on Alien and it ended, the credits started rolling. I go, You win. You win. This one's yours. Uh, It's my favorite. Here we go now. So now I've been preaching the praises of Alien to anyone
0: who will listen. It's funny how movies rise in your estimation. I don't know if it has to do as much with your own maturity or with your increasing film literacy or what it is, but uh, not yours, but anyone's. And uh, to me, this, this movie has raised in estimation every year of my life since I've seen it. Because for a long time, Aliens was easily my favorite of the, of the series. And then as time has gone on, I think as I've matured, as I've seen different films, um, and now that I'm looking at it the way, analyzing it, this yeah. in depth, you might think that this would kill a movie for you. But I can't stop watching it all the way through over and over again. I it's, think it's starting it's, to get really high on my list. Yeah, I mean, I watch this thing once a month, twice a month.
2: Wow. Yeah, it's just something I'll put on as like, yeah, it's time for Alien. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, I've definitely been. That's Empire Strikes Back for me. It's probably uh, that movie, but yeah.
2: I mean, I got to see this in the theater last month. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was good. Oh, so, for the four,
0: 426?
2: Oh, yeah, for Alien Day. I went to the double feature at the Alamo Drafthouse, and it was a fantastic experience.
0: I guess I guess I just gave away how early we recorded this podcast. Right? That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Did you see it in two thousand three for the? Uh, I did. Director's I did. Cut? That was the first time I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Um, we don't really have anything to talk about with the director's cut, but it was a, it was interesting to see it in that form on the big screen for the first time, and I had to question my memory of the original cut a couple of times mm-hmm. and wondered if if I had missed some things or not. But I, I wanted
1: to add that. Uh... If you go to the Facebook discussion page right now, there is a post about the footwear that the crew is sporting. We get a good look at Dallas's feet kind of up on the console. And there's some Mm -hmm. interesting stuff there on the page about the history of the shoes that they chose to use for the crew. Not the box that show up in Aliens, but other shoes. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so go to our Facebook page and check that out if you want. Um, I guess we should get into the minute now. Um, so we're back in the shuttle again with Dallas. Dallas has uh, taken the call uh, where Ash then tells him that he needs to see something. And who does Dallas call immediately afterwards? Ghostbusters.
2: Yeah, well, he calls them first, but they they didn't answer their phone. Yeah, uh, so so they... Because this is that. in the future and they're all dead now. <laughs> um, no, but he calls Ripley, yes?
0: He calls Ripley, which... Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier in earlier minutes last week, um, that I think that we're seeing uh, the slow progression of Ripley um, rising in the org chart. Uh, we, mm. we just finally got our 100% confirmation that she's third in command on the ship and now second in command due to Kane being incapacitated. But here, I think it's telling that Dallas immediately wants her present for whatever the situation is. He sees her, I think that... My theory is that he sees her as a, you know, sort of balancing force that as he's unraveling and he knows he is, he needs her there. She's been the cool one. She's been the one to stay steady through all this. Yeah. And as his Will Riker, he wants her there for any advice, any, you know, just to be at his side. So I think that, again, she's starting to they're slowly creeping her in as the protagonist of the movie.
2: And it, it all links back to the uh, the screenplay where, I, if I remember correctly, they had a romantic thing going on
0: yeah there's definitely a lot I mean that'll definitely play up a lot more uh, probably in the next minute really maybe Mm -hmm. actually at the end of this minute now that I think about it but um, in the next few minutes this sequence is heavy with this that subtext I think most definitely
1: and it's not a subtext that we necessarily have to be totally aware of I mean the fact that that relationship was ultimately removed from the story maybe makes it stronger because they're playing something that we don't totally understand, but we know it's close and we know that there's a special bond between the two of them, whether they're sleeping together or not.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel that by removing that, it also removes
1: the damsel in distress trope from the entire story. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we only really get an interesting beat in the next minute about that, which we'll talk about too, uh, the physical body language in that next scene. Um, But... Ash does this thing twice. I mean, I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead where he won't tell anybody what's going on in the Affirmary and he insists that they come down and see for themselves. Exactly. Yeah,
0: what do we make of that? Is this just a character? Is this another glitch? Is this... Why is he so mysterious? Uh, this is something you could clearly... I, I don't know. I think the more information given here, probably the more it benefits. I mean, if you're Dallas, you're you're having your little respite in the shuttle, maybe you're going, ah, what if it just I'll deal with it later. I mean, he's not giving yeah, what him What do any you want now? Here. You give him the information and you give him a sense of urgency. You know he's he'll come right away. But yeah. yeah, Ash is strange, man. Ash is a little bit of a trickster, I feel. I mean he might be trying to trick
2: them into maybe getting into the same situation that Kane was just in. That's
0: true. I mean there's definitely I mean, we see that in a later movie. Actually. Oh, yeah. But uh that exact, I wonder if that idea, sometimes you wonder in sequels, uh, not to get so far ahead as to talk about aliens, but why not? You wonder if they don't use, you know, I know that they often use ideas from the original film mm-hmm. that got cut. So I wonder if that was the idea here, but they decided not to place it in the text of the film um, for one reason or another. But I guess I never thought about that maybe as part of his plan. if If Ash does not know that the alien has kind of crawled away to die as we find yeah. out it did. Maybe he is trying to get the, uh, another host involved here. I don't know. And, and we also
2: don't know what information the company has relayed to him. I mean, I know later on in the film that you you see the message from the company, uh, but who knows? Maybe there were other messages from the company to Ash that were not revealed in this film.
0: Oh yeah, I, I would say absolutely that there were. But uh, well, then we
1: move to this extreme close-up profile of Kane's face as an answer to. You know, you better come down here and see for yourself. And mm. Matt, given that you're a big Ridley Scott fan, doesn't that look like a typical Ridley Scott close-up?
2: Oh, r- typical Ridley face where it's dark and sweaty and basically lights are just shining all over it? <laughs> yeah, it definitely. Yep, that's that's Ridley for you.
1: <laughs> and it's so static, which I love. It's very, really very
2: much so. I mean, hard cut he's not to moving a static an inch. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not moving at all uh that's scott
0: for you (laughs) what what is the feeling what feeling do you get this is a hard cut we're going from something's going on you better it's better if you just come see it to this hard cut to a close-up of kane's face that we haven't seen for quite a while now
2: yeah you see kane's face and you notice oh that thing's gone right and and the audience gives out a collective oh shit
0: (laughs) i you know it's funny maybe it's the because I've seen the movie so many times, I can't remember how I felt the first time I saw this. I always feel this sense of relief when I see it. I'm like, oh, man, his face is, there's probably a nice little breeze flowing over. right now. He's yeah. got that thing that plays back to my claustrophobia, I guess, a little bit. Oh, that lucky it always guy. looks like, oh, thank, I feel good for Kane. <laughs> He's now got his face back.
2: Well, yeah, for a few minutes he does.
0: But then they cut right to that low angle, or that, that low angle handheld shot from the corner of the room. mm mm-hmm giving you every angle of the room that that thing could be in. And then, to me, that's when it really strikes you.
1: Well, yeah, because the insert shot, the shot of his face, is without context. So mm-hmm. by jumping to that, the filmmakers are now ahead of the audience. And we're looking at that, and we're taking in the information that the facehugger is gone, but we don't know whether this is a point-of-view shot. We don't know whether they're standing around him. We know nothing. And so it's kind of a great trick where you give us so much information on one hand and absolutely no information in terms of the context.
2: Yeah. I, I love the fact that it is handheld because that means that this could be the creature looking at them it, or it, but, if it, but if it was just a static, put the camera here, let's see what happens. That kind of doesn't add that same effect.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I was actually going to ask Mitch having seen it back then in the context of the time, we're so incredibly used to handheld camera now. As, and all of the things that it's been used to convey. But Mitch, how familiar, in 79, how familiar were you with this kind of a technique? Say this were a first first person or first alien uh, perspective. Did you have that idea when you first saw this shot? Or was that something that wasn't quite in the lexicon at the time as far as handheld cameras' meaning as much as they seem to now?
1: Well, a couple of answers. First is... This was one of the first movies that I saw that really drove home that strategy of using a handheld camera to suggest either a subjective point of view or just the general unsettled tension of the moment. And it's a Stanley Kubrick trick. You know, every time in a Stanley Kubrick movie, when things go bad, it seems to jump to a handheld camera. So oh, yeah. Scott's using that technique. Um, the fact that it's low and could be a point of view shot is also valid and we know as an audience we're seeing this from an angle that is unusual. But I would argue that we don't know it's a handheld shot for probably 10 to 15 seconds. It could be locked down. Until they move into the room and then the camera then starts to move. So I think you get a sort of a double whammy. Like, whose point of view? Oh, it is a point of view. And it's potentially menacing because... We had seen a few movies where the camera was taking on the point of view of a killer, for example. The Giallos had already come around, and and uh, Halloween had done it. Halloween, yeah.
0: Peeping Tom,
1: but nobody had seen that. Right, yeah. But De Palma (laughs) was blazing that weird point of view trail. Oh, De Palma.
0: (laughs) So then, holding holding on the shot for as long as they do. Mitch, did you? We usually do a kind of a count on how long. These shots are held, but I didn't do it this time. Did you, Mitch?
1: I didn't. I didn't. It's, but I it, did notice. It's a good that long time. It's a really long take, and our minute is going to end in the middle of all this. But before the minute ends, I definitely noticed that nobody turns on the lights.
0: That's We're afraid point. to
1: scare it. Why didn't somebody turn on the fucking lights?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Right. Is it a? Is it? Is it their fear taking precedent over practical? Uh, you don't want to find this thing really like deep down you're like oh i'd rather this thing just not be found so maybe could, they just it, don't yeah i mean they, it could be those that pin lights out so
1: it's really good we'll talk about how effective those pen lights are in the next minute
2: yeah yeah it could be that or it could just be ridley scott going no i want it to be scary keep the lights off Yep,
0: <laughs> i think does, that's what it is yeah that's probably it he does do those that style over function choice quite often yeah. so yeah Especially with lighting. It, t- it tends to usually have to do with lighting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I had for this minute was was the line that Ripley gives, and we've already touched on this, uh, the, the allusions to their intimacy, but she specifically tells Dallas, kind of goes storming into the room, and she specifically tells Dallas, Dallas, be careful. Yeah. She doesn't say that to Ash, of course, because she could yeah, give a shit you know. less about Ash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ash could get face hugged all, all he wants as far as she's concerned. Yeah. But the way she says it too, though, isn't just a rant. It doesn't sound – I think that Scorny Weaver is definitely informing her relationship. In these lines, she's informing that relationship a little bit. I, I, I think as, as the minutes go on, we're going to talk about this more and more. But I definitely think she is, and Tom Skerritt are very mindful of this intimacy in their performance. While it might not be spoken out loud. The way she says it, it just sounds like it doesn't sound like it's for a random crew member. Everybody should be careful. She doesn't say it to one of them. So, no, I don't know. To me, it, that spoke volumes to me. I agree totally. Yeah. All right. Well, do you guys have anything else for this minute?
2: No, that was a quick minute.
0: <laughs> was it? Was it? I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this it might have been. This is killing me. Technically, it was about the same length as other minutes.
0: Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so nobody has anything else? Nope. Okay. No, I that, think we hit it. That's going to do it for minute number 47. Matt, Matt. you want to find us where you are on the internet? Oh, well,
2: you can always find me on Twitter at TheRealMattC. Uh, you can find me on Twitter also with the podcast, Hey, what you Watching? And, yeah, that's about it.
0: All right, and you can find us, of course, at AlienMinute.com or follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Please subscribe there and leave us a review if you'd like. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast and on Twitter at Alien Minute Pod. Visit our Facebook page and uh, and talk about you know if you have any thoughts or ideas or you want to talk about shoes or you want to talk about Ripley and Dallas's possible love affair that they had. Uh, please do so. And uh, I want to uh, uh, again give a shout out to the Mothership Podcast Star Wars Minute. Thank you for loaning us out this format. And if you've never listened to the Star Wars Minute, guys, I highly recommend you do. Um, Well, that'll do it. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow for minute number 48.